Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. I am Pastor TJ, dressed because of Cole's cash. I stand before you, much better guy. Uh, Welcome everybody online. It's good to see everybody this morning. I'm ready for the fall. I am a, a chunky Greek man which means that the summer is not, with humidities as high as we have here in, in Delaware, is not my friend. So I'm ready for the crisp fall air. I'm ready for the winter. Uh, I was reminded, we and uh, the family went to a, a wedding last weekend, and as we were driving up around State College and stuff, we're starting to see the leaves change. You're starting to see fall start to peek its head around. Pumpkin spice, everything is about to come upon us like a fury from the sky. We were coming back from the wedding. You know, Erie's about five, six hours away. And as we came by, we were, we were, we were getting, you know, we, we drove the whole time and we were hungry. So we decided to pull into a little town right outside of State College to get some lunch. And actually, it was dinner at that point. So we pulled into a McDonald's. We didn't know where to go. So we pulled in. And have you been into a McDonald's lately? It's like completely automated. I didn't even know what to do. I was completely overwhelmed. I walked in and I didn't know what to do. So finally, you know, we tried to figure out the stuff. We couldn't figure out the technology. Rob goes, well, there's a lady there. Obviously, she could take our order. So I went up to the lady, and I saw the stuff out there. I said, ma'am, I, I was hungry. So I always get the number seven. Let's see how many, how many sold-out McDonald's fans there is. Anybody know what the number seven is? It's two cheeseburgers, French fries, and a Diet Coke. Don't you judge me. <laughs> I was hungry. So I asked, I said, listen, I saw they have on the menu double cheeseburgers now. Not big ones, but little ones. So the lady that was standing behind the counter, she had purple hair, she had a nose ring, very nice girl. I said, ma'am, I said, I would like to get a number seven, but I would like those cheeseburgers to be double cheeseburgers. I'll pay whatever I need to pay in order to make that happen. She goes, sir, I can't do that. I said, you didn't understand me. I said, I would like a number seven, fries, a Diet Coke, that's important, actually the Coke Zero, which is even better. Two cheeseburgers, but I'd like those to be double. I don't want them to be single. I'll pay whatever I have to to get that combination, and I'll never forget this. Robin was standing right next to me to verify this. She looked at me. She goes, sir, what you're asking for is impossible. Let those words sink in. If you're at McDonald's and the food you want is on the menu, is it really impossible to get what you want? Money is no object. I want two double cheeseburgers. French fries and a Diet Coke. And, you know, I looked at her and I said, okay, I'll take a number seven. And I gave up on my dream of two cheeseburgers, double cheeseburgers, French fries and a Diet Coke. And I sat back there and I was not happy and I'm like, Lord, this stinks. And he goes, you know, this kind of reminds me of your faith sometimes. I said, how? We settle for things that we think are impossible, but they're not really. Think of your faith right now. How much of your faith is impossible? How much of the things that God asks of us we don't participate in because in our minds we view them as impossible? Beloved, is there anything impossible for God? Then why do we have faiths that reflect that? Why do we live with fear? Why do we live with doubt? Why do we settle for just the possible? 
the things that we can do with our own hands and our own feet and our own strength. If we want to be a church that's going to change our world, we've got to step out of our strength and step into the impossible. We have to step out of our fears, out of our feelings, out of our disappointments, even out of our own heads and step into the impossible. That's the heart of God. I can tell you this right now. A church that does that is dangerous and it'll change the world. And by the way, the last time I checked, the church is a people, not a place. You are the church. Where you go, the church goes. You are the key holders to the impossible. Isn't that a good start? That's where we are. This entire month, we're in a series called Deep Living. And the whole purpose of this month is to move us from an ordinary, ho-hum faith into a faith that engages God in all that he is. His heart is that he has a church that's actually effective and makes a difference in the world. So how does that happen for us? Well, last week we got everything started. Jerry did a beautiful job showing us how it's important for us to have our priorities aligned. If your priorities are in the priorities of the kingdom of heaven, God follows you, the impossible follows you, and you live an abundant, empowered life. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, then everything else in your life will be taken care of. Some of you are struggling in your life right now because you don't have your priorities right. Put your priorities in order after God and let God take care of the rest. He'll take care of your relationships. He'll take care of your provision. He'll take care of your peace. Sometimes we have the ritual of our, of our religion, but we're missing the heart of it. If you struggle with fear and doubt today, let me encourage you. Take your priorities to God and say, God, show me where this thing is just misfiring. Help me to figure this out, and he will. Today, we look at another aspect of deep living. Hopefully, you know, Robin and I, in, in December, we would have been here three years. In some sense, it feels like we've been here three decades, and you know who you are. That's your, ben, you're one of them. <laughs> and in some respects, I have to remind myself, it's only been a few years. But hopefully in the last couple of years, you've learned a few things that, that, that make me, that I'm passionate about. Things that make my heart beat. One of those things is living out the radical, extravagant love of God. We love God and people extravagantly. As a church, we don't just put our time in. We love till it hurts, and then we love some more. That's just what we do. It's our posture to God, and it's our posture to people. Now, Jesus, you know, I didn't just come up with that concept. That concept is in the Word. Jesus set the table for us in that understanding. If you got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. If you have our app, you look on our app, you get all my notes. If you're on a U version of the Bible, look for live events, you'll see Trinity, you get all my notes. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's probably one of the most familiar passages in Scripture that we have, and it's probably one of the most disregarded Scriptures in the Bible by the church. We read it, we high-five each other, and then we move along. Today we're going to take a deep dive into what this really means. Mark 12, verse 28 says this. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Oh, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And look at verse 30. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Everybody say equally. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. It was in this passage, this interaction, that God took our faith to an incredibly new level of understanding. You see, the Jews, they approached their faith on a very personal, holiness-geared level. Their faith was basically built on all of the things that they couldn't do. There were certain foods that they couldn't eat. How many of you love Big D's barbecue? How many of you love a good, you know, those ribs and pork sandwiches? If you're Jewish, you couldn't have any of that. How many of you like crab? You like your know, crab legs, the big legs you just crack and the, the butter's dripping down your face. You like shrimp. If you're Jewish, you couldn't have that. My favorite passage in the Bible is when Peter had his vision and the sheet came down and in the sheet was all these yummy animals. And God told Peter, kill and eat. We can go home right now. One of my most favorite passages. The Jews were bound by things that they couldn't eat. The, the Jews were bound by types of clothes they couldn't wear. People that they couldn't interact with. Their faith was primarily built on their own personal holiness, more so than anything else. Now Jesus, in this moment, shifted their faith from just being an inside thing to being an outside thing. How they interacted with God and how they interacted with each other. He made their faith relational. Do you know that your faith is relational? We bought into this little notion that I have my own personal relationship with God. And that's true. It starts there. It doesn't end there. And if that's all you have, oh, everybody say, Pastor TJ, we love you because Jesus said we had to. If your faith stops with you, it's not really faith. It's another form of the gospel. If it's just you and nobody else, then you didn't read this passage right. Guys, I don't make this stuff up. It's in the Word, right? Jesus in this moment reminded us that our faith is meant to be relational. In fact, the depth of your faith is measured on how you interact, not just with God, but how you interact and you love people. How we love each other is a big deal to God. It is. So this is the progression. We love God and we love others. Which one is first? Read the passage. Equally important. So this is how God sees it. How you love me, I got to do this with a mic, how you love each other. That's it. That's it. I don't make it up. Easy peasy, right? So what does it mean to love him and what does it mean to love others the way that God wants us to love them? Now, sometimes we interpret what we think loving God and people, what it looks like. Now, sometimes you have to because it's not clear, but in the Bible it's very clear. For example, how many of you have children? How many of you have children and they keep their rooms slightly clean, you know, cleaner than, than the rhino exhibit at the zoo? I'm not looking at any of my children. I'm just staring off into Jesus' eyes. Have you ever asked your kid to clean their room 
And then they say, they, you, they, they're out playing their game. You're like, did you clean the room? Like, oh yeah, I cleaned that like 10 minutes ago. And then you walk into their room and their version of clean and your version of clean are two entirely different things. Have you ever had that experience? Everybody's like, every day. We do this with God all the time when it comes to love. God tells us what he expects of us and we do what we want. Don't we? I mean, guys, I'm I'm speaking to me too. We do what we want instead of what God requires of us sometimes, right? What is our theme song? Thank you, Meatloaf. I would do anything for God, but I won't do that. Even if he asks you. So how does God want us to love him? Well, thankfully, in Mark 12, 30, he shows us. Look at the passage again. And you must love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Simply put, God wants all of you. He doesn't just want a part of you. He wants everything that you are. Why? Because Christ gave everything that he was for us. He gave his life for us. Why would he want anything less from us for him? God gave us his best, his son. Are you giving God your best? Are you giving him the leftovers? Are you giving him your convenience? What are you giving him today? Don't you hate it when people give you less than what you deserve? Some of you know that when God created me, he created me for a deep appreciation of ice cream. Call it a hobby. Call it a lifelong passion. Call it what you will. But it's deep within me. I love ice cream. I remember I was at the well one day, and we had a new girl that was in the back, and she was learning how to do barista stuff and learn how to make ice cream. And I went to the back. I said, I said, you know what? I said, I would like an ice cream cone. And she was brand new. I think she, that was her first day. And I watched her make me an ice cream cone. She took the sugar cone. She took a scoop of ice cream, just one like this. The scoop was like that. It wasn't a scoop. It was a scoopette. And she handed it to me. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? How many of you know how to make an ice cream cone? The first thing you do is you put the ice cream on it and you push it into the cone. You fill that sucker up with ice cream because you have to have a good, healthy base to hold the cap. I mean, that, that scoop, if I want a scoop, I want a scoop. I want you to have two hands to put that thing on there. I looked at her and I just went... And I ate it, and it was gone. I was very disappointed. I wanted more. Hello? God expects more from us. We don't give him hollow religion. He wants us to be filled with who he is. And from that place, that love, our our devotional life, our, our life after Christ should be filled devotionally with him. We should have passion, devotion. Every emotion should be tied into our service and our following after him. So what does God require of us? First, to love him with all of our heart. What is your heart? Your heart is you. It's your personality. It's your quirkiness. God wants you to love him through who you are. Now that means this for us as a church. None of us are going to love God the same. We have common threads that run through all of us. 
But God is not looking for uniformity. He's looking for harmony. Harmony is when we all bring who we are to the table for him, and we love him in all of our own unique ways. But what do we do sometimes in the church? We come in and, you know, especially if you, if you grew up in high church. I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church. There was no spontaneity in the Greek Orthodox Church. There was a lot of... I could say that. It's part of my tradition. We stood up at the same time. We sat down at the same time. Can anybody relate to that? We would do our phrasing, and Mary, the full of grace, the Lord is with We would do all of it at the same time. Because, you know, every Christian is built the same. When you love God with your heart, you love him through who you are. Each of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. Each of you is unique. So what am I trying to say? Love him in your way, not somebody else's way. Don't be afraid of how people view you when you love him. We love God through the bent on how we were created. For example, I look to my left here, and I see this beautiful art. I would love to be able to worship God like you do through art. My art would look slightly different than this. Have you ever seen stick figures? This would be three clicks below that. When you paint, you worship God through the gifts that he's given you. When Chip plays guitar, he worships God through the gifts that he's been given. Worship God through the gifts, through who he created you to be. Psalm 1941 puts it this way. May the words of my, everybody say my, my mouth and the meditations of my heart, everybody say my, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So love him with who you are. Second, you love him with all your soul. What is your soul? Pick that up. I love that. Hello? <laughs> what is your soul? Your soul is your emotions, your joy, your tears. Do you know that your faith was designed to include your emotions? It was. It's okay to love God and worship God through your emotions. It's funny to me, we're an emotional people most of the time except when we come to church. I was at a wedding last week, and in that wedding, we experienced joys and tears, people's shouts of, don't do it, <laughs> laughter, all these things, and it was perfect commonplace, and then we come into this house, and we get quiet. We're afraid to worship God. We're afraid to open our mouths. Today is opening day for the NFL football season on Sundays. It opened Thursday. That means this. The Philadelphia Eagles are playing today, and I can promise you this, that stadium is going to be insane. But still we come into this house, quiet, afraid. Why? Who gave you your emotions? Who gave you your soul? God did. It's okay to engage in with those things. It's okay to engage in with who you are. Your emotions are a part of you. So I'm at this wedding last week, and um, I got to perform it for my niece. It was a great time. And it, one of the things I love about Polish or big Greek and Italian weddings is the cookie table. It's beautiful. That's when all the relatives make all their, little, their specialty cookies. They put it on a table. And this is the goal of every cookie table, that there's enough cookies on that table to feed a medium-sized nation. 
You never have enough cookies, and you never, if you're at a wedding and you run out, you remember the story of Jesus when they, he had the water and the wine, they ran out of the wine? If you're at an Italian wedding, it's cookies. You never run out of cookies. And I'm standing there, and I'm just, I am overwhelmed by God's goodness at the cookie table. And my eyes drop on a tray of lady locks. You know what lady locks are? If you don't, look behind me. My mother used to make lady locks. So, oh, dang it. So when they would have the weddings, she was the lady lock girl. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm standing at the cookie table, and I, I just cried. I started to cry because I missed her. I loved her. And I grabbed about, about 17 lady locks. <laughs> I ate 12 as quickly as possible so nobody would see me. And I smiled, and I said, man, look, God, I miss you. I miss you, Mom. Emotions. It's okay when you come into God's presence to engage your emotions. It's okay to remember the times when God met you, when you were in the dark night of the soul. And it's okay to cry tears of joy and say, God, thank you. It's okay to come to him when you're in the dark night of the soul and say, God, I need you. In God's house, tears are okay. So is joy. So is laughter. So is freedom. So is dance. All of them are expressions of your emotions. If God didn't want you to worship him with your emotions, then why did he give you them? So do me a favor. Don't hold back. You can hold back from me. I don't care. Don't you dare hold back your worship from God. Let him have all of you. Love him through your emotions. Now understand this. You can't live your life just led by your emotions. Some days we have bad days. I understand your emotions have to be balanced. But when it comes to worship, let it out. This is what Psalm 63, 4 through 8 says. I'll praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands in, in, uh, to you in prayer. You satisfy me with more than the richest feast, and I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on, on you through the night, because you're my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. This is a window into the emotional life of David as he worshiped God. Worship him with your soul. Third, your mind. What is your mind? Your mind is the seat of your knowledge and your understanding. What does this mean for us? This means that if you're going to worship God with your mind, pursue him intellectually. Study and show yourself approved. Don't just come to church on Sunday morning, check the box and think, I'm good, everything's fine. Now understand, coming to God every week and us doing this is an important part of your faith. It's when we come together, you get all the hot coals together in the center, and we experience God's love, power, and presence, and it's a celebration, and it's wonderful. But this does not take the place of you daily setting time aside with God, getting your nose in the book, seeking him, and loving him with your mind. I can promise you this. You know, if you seek him intellectually, he will blow you away. He'll blow you away. He will. Who's responsible for your spiritual growth? Everybody take your, your hand, get your finger out, point it at me. Now point it back at your face. You. I'm not responsible for your spiritual growth. Trust me, I got my hands full with this right here. Now, I am responsible as a shepherd, and I help to feed you. 
but you can't live on one meal a week. I'm looking out here right now, and I'm pretty sure most of you are eating more than one meal a week. Right? Learn how to feed yourself. So how do you do that? How do we pursue God with our intellect? Well, first, consume the Word. Get your nose in the book. This is beyond watching a sermon. This is beyond reading something from Max Lucado. I love him. This is opening your Word and reading it. This is beyond a podcast. Read the Word every day. Consume it. Consume it. Consume it. Psalm 119.18 says this. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. When you open up the Word, Led by the Spirit, you grow in your understanding on who God is and what he wants to do in your life. When you hide his word in your heart, it makes it really tough for the enemy to derail you. Guys, some of you, man, your, your faith is like, it just bumps up and down, ups and down. You know what get, makes you solid? The word. And I'm not talking about just reading the word. Consume the word. Let it get into your pores. Let it get into your heart. I remember when I had my, my first sabbatical. I'm in the Rocky Mountains in the middle of nowhere. And I'm a, I'm a regimented guy. So I'm taking a month of rest. So during my month of rest, I had all these books I was going to read. I had all these things I was going to do to better myself while I rested. So I make my fire. I'm by a stream. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I got all my books ready. And I'm ready to open up. I'm like, okay, Lord, let's get this thing rolling. And I opened up my Bible, and God said, put the book down. Okay, we're going to do that later. We'll just do that later. And I was showing God my agenda of all the things I was going to accomplish during my sabbatical. You know what I did that first day? Nothing. I sat by the stream. I looked at the fire. I listened to the wind in the trees. I did nothing. So I thought to myself, we're just getting a late start. God, we have something going on tomorrow. Tomorrow I woke up bright and early. Got the fire started, got ready. Picked up my Bible. God said, open the book. I go, all right, now we're going to get rolling. Turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed are the righteous. They're like trees planted by the streams of water. They bear fruit in every season. Their leaves never, never wither. They never fade. And I, hold, I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, Son, you are withering and fading. I want you to be like that tree. I want you to be like that. Be planted near me. Shut the book. I shut the book. You know what I did that day? I cried the whole day. And I allowed the Holy Spirit to reset my heart. Get your nose in the book. Consume the word. Let it melt into your heart. Become the word. Every time I think of that, I think of like, you know, in Revelation and stuff. You see John, and, you know, the angel comes in and he gives him the scroll. He says, eat the scroll. Consume the word. So that's the first thing we do. We open the word. The second thing we do, if you want to grow in your faith intellectually, you ready for this? Be led by the spirit. What are you talking about? Because I, I thought the, the, the mind was different than the spirit. I thought it's not. Be led by the spirit. The more you rely on the spirit to teach you what's in the book, the more God will unveil his understanding, the more revelation he'll give you. You have to be led by the spirit. The Bible, absent of the spirit, is a book. It's the Holy Spirit that unlocks all these things in our lives. He shows you all these new facets of who he is. Have you ever read a scripture? You know, you've read it a hundred times before, but then you pick up your Bible, one day you read it, and it takes on a whole new light. You know what that is? It's the power of the Spirit. John 16, 13 says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. 
He won't speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. And he'll tell you all about the future. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us in all those things. So we love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all of our strength. What is strength? The Greek word for strength is ikus, which actually means your ability. What this means is this. Your act of worship, your act of love is more than sitting into a seat and listening to a chunky Greek guy once a week tell you about Jesus. Your faith is not passive, it's active. God wants you to do something with what he's given you. You can tell the true measure of your faith if it's what you're doing with it. It can't just be knowledge that you're accumulating with no practical engagement. James 2.17 puts it this way. So you see your faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and it's useless. So what does that mean for us? Do something. Get involved. I don't know if you can see this or not, but Trinity as a church, we are growing like bananas. And we need your help. In a couple weeks, we're going to be doing a, an expo, a ministry expo, where you're going to get to look at all the ministry we're doing. If you go out to one of the stations out there, you see the first TV station by, the, by the, the well out there, you'll see all the ministry opportunities that we have. Get involved. And don't just stop there. Get involved in the people's lives at your work, at your school, your neighbors, everywhere you go. Be Jesus' hands, be Jesus' feet. Always ask the Lord, say, God, what do you want me to do for you today? What do you want me to do for you today? Don't just go, gimme, 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 gimme. Sometimes we get so stuck in ourselves. We're so worried about our own personal stuff, we forget. God placed you strategically where you are right now to be light and darkness, to be salt in a bland world. Be that. Be active. Your faith is more than a ritual. It's a relationship with God and with others. Now, with all that being said about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I want you to pause right now. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question. Say, Holy Spirit, does my faith with you reflect love like that? Listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Now hear this. I don't say these things to condemn. I say these things to inspire. It's my job to break down the word accurately and to show you what God requires of you. So if you need to make course corrections, make course corrections. Don't get stuck in condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So move on with it. Now, loving God, that's the easy part. Because you can't see him, even though he's all around us. What do we do with the loving each other part? That's where it gets a little sticky, right? Look at verse 31 again. The second is equally. Everybody say equally. Does anybody know what equal means? The same, right? The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Isn't it funny? He didn't say no other commandments. What did he say? No other commandment. So what's he saying? Those things are the same. It's one commandment. One commandment. 
Now, notice something right away. Um, you know, Jesus' words here, these two things that sit at the top of the heap when it comes to faith. You know, in this second part, you love him, and then you love your, your neighbors, you love yourself. How do you truly, how are you able to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Well, the first thing is this. You can't love them unless first you know who you are. Do you know who you are in Christ? Most of us live our lives trying to please other people. Most of us live our lives up to other people's expectations rather than allowing God to define what he wants us to be, who he wants us to be. You are a product of your house. And a lot of that is good, but some of that isn't. My mother always wanted me to be a veterinarian, which is great, except I don't really like animals. I mean, they're not bad, but if it was up to me, we wouldn't have really fish. We'd have a little tank with fish. Do you know why? You don't have to train them. They don't pee on the floor, right? Can I get a witness? You give them a few flakes, they're happy. They're a very low-maintenance life, life form. They're okay. My mother wanted to be a veterinarian. I remember when I told my mother that I felt God was calling me into the ministry, she cried and she wept bitterly. And you know what it caused me to do? It created confusion in me. And I was like, Lord, am I doing the right thing? And I was. And later in the years, it all played out. And my mother was like, no, this is what you were supposed to be. But in that moment, I carried for her on me, the expectations she put on me. Do you know who you are? Some of you are in this room today and you're carrying the expectations of others on your back right now and you still have no idea who you are. Have you ever thought about all the dumb things that you've done in your life just to fit in? The places you've gone to, the things that you've said, all those things. So we went to this wedding this week and my, my, uh, my niece beautiful young girl. Somehow I get on a family text. It's me and all the nieces and nephews. I'm the only adult on there. Don't know why. And they have a rehearsal dinner on a riverboat. And we're about, oh, five days before we're ready to go to this wedding. And she says, guys, just to remind everybody, I want us to do, we're going to do a great Gadsby 1920s theme on the boat. So you need to come dressed appropriately. And I text immediately. I said, guys, what are you talking about? It's going to be right after the rehearsal dinner. We're all going to dress like it's going to be like the 1920s. And I said, well, I, I don't have anything from the 1920s in my thing. She goes, well, it's just in your closet. Dig it up. Have you seen my closet? And I went into full panic. What do you do? I don't even know what people like this dress like. So, I, you know, thank God for Amazon. So I get on Amazon. I'm looking for all the stuff I can, and I realize I'm not going to get anything in time for this thing. And I'm starting to, to, to have anxiety over, this must be what girls feel every day. I'm having anxiety on what I'm supposed to wear at this wedding because it's a 1920s thing. So little, we, we, we're on the way up there. On the day of the, the rehearsal, we stop, I think it's a Coles. We stop at a Coles, and I piece together in my head what I think somebody from the 1920s would wear. So I find suspenders, and I get pants, and I got a shirt, and I got a hat, and... I didn't pull off the 20s successfully, but I pulled off modern Amish pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah, right? Hezekiah, Jebediah, I could have passed for that. Robin had a flapper dress on. This is the worst part. We showed up, and nobody else was dressed in 1920s. 
They all decided it was too tough. All except us. I was a little disappointed. And even though we got dressed up like this, my niece came up to me afterwards. She goes, thank you guys so much for doing this for me. So we showed her our heart by at least making a feeble attempt to do this. Here's my point. Be who God created you to be. Once you love yourself, once you allow God to show you who you are, who he created you to be, and once you have peace with that, understanding the new creation that you are, it's from that place that loving others flows much easier. Psalm 139, 14 says this, I'll give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Some of you are here today and you've locked on to the voice and you've lived your life trying to please others instead of trying to please God. You still don't know who you are. I want to encourage you. Take some time this week in your quiet time. Ask God that question. Lord, will you show me who you created me to be and then spend time to listen. Maybe grab a notepad, journal it. And let God unfold to you who he created you to be. And if you've got somebody you trust, people that you trust your life with, sit down with them and ask them. Say, well, you, you know, when you see me, what do you see? Some of you are not happy in your faith because you're trying to live somebody else's faith. Live your own faith. Don't try to be somebody else. Be you. When you cease to be you, the world loses something that it needs. He created you for a reason. So you learn to love yourself. The Holy Spirit reveals that for you. And then that next step is this. Then you learn to love others. You love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is anybody that God puts in your path, regardless of how they looked, how they act, the language that they speak, the color of their skin, even their political party. Capiche? That's your neighbor. We base our lives, you know, Jesus painted a beautiful picture in Luke 10 when he talked about the Good Samaritan. All the ones that should have been the heroes of the story weren't, and the one that was the most despised because of how they interacted with the person that needed help was the neighbor. Be that person. Don't base whether you're going to like somebody or not by how they look, how they smell even how they believe. Did you ever think that maybe God put some of those people in your path so that you could show them the way to Christ? Did you ever think that maybe God put some of these people in your path because God wanted to use them to teach you something? He loves you so much he'll do that if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to learn. So how do we love them? First thing, you see them as Christ sees them. When you see people, what do you see? Do you see problems? Oh, here they come again. Do you see responsibilities? Oh, what do they want now? Do you see rivals? I know, you know, men and women, we don't do this. We have rivals in our own different ways. You know, women, girl comes in the back and she's dressed to the nine and, you know, beautiful and got the right hair and she's having a good hair day and eyelashes, whatever you guys look for. When you look at her, the first thing you see is look at that woman 
how God has beautifully created her. We should all celebrate together her beauty. Do you do that? Or do you look at him and go, <laughs> claws come out. Now, guys, we don't care how other guys dress. We want to know, you know, does he have a DeWalt tool system? What is he driving? Oh, you fix that? Well, I fix this, right? Do you see rivals or do you see people? When you see people, what do you see? Do you see obstacles? When you see people, do you see pain? Do they remind you of your failures and your brokenness? When you see people, what do you see? Do you see people created in God's image? Get that, George. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we are so focused on us that we forget that God put us in a world with people around us? We spend most of our time focusing on us instead of them. We forget sometimes that the greatest gift that God gave us is each other and relationships. You can't take anything else with you. Your house will be somebody else's house someday. Your car will be somebody else's car someday. All of your clothes, when you die, your children will take to the goodwill. All of the things that are most precious to you, half those things will be in a dumpster that will be in your front driveway when you die. I'm just being real. The only thing that you have that's eternal is relationships, just each other. How do you see people? Jesus saw people the way that we should. Living, breathing souls created with gifts, desires, and purposes. As a church, it's our responsibility to help to unlock the destiny in all the people that we see. It's our job to help them to, to get as close to God as possible and to be disciples, to show them that the gifts that they have are there for a reason and a purpose. That's your job, not just mine. We're always looking to unlock people and to get them closer to the kingdom and to just set them loose. What do you see when you see people? You have homework real quick, and we're almost done. Here's your homework, your action item. I want you to find one person in your life that drives you bananas. You know that person, right? You know him. You know her. Some of you are like, Pfft. Find that one person. Pray this prayer specifically. Lord, help me to see them the way you see them. And see if it changes the way you feel about them. Just see. And then email your story so we can get up here on the stage and you can talk about how you were wrong, but now you're right. See them as Christ sees them, and the second is this. Love them as Christ loved you. It's very simple. God has called us to love him and people extravagantly. If you're in a situation with somebody in your life and you don't know what to do with them, love them. Don't throw them away. Love them. Ask God, say, Lord, show me how to love them. What did Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? Love them. Why? If you love your enemy, if you pray for your enemy, at some point God shifts your heart and you move from vengeance and malice to mercy and grace. We love them. That's just what we do. In John 13, 34, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Why do we struggle to love people? Sometimes we forget where we were when Christ found us. I know where I was. I was lost, completely lost, and I have no idea where my life would have left. I have no idea. Now, some of you grew up in the church. God bless America. I'm, I'm happy for you. 
I don't know what's worse, the person stuck in Philly with needles in their arms or people in clean churches that think everything's okay because they have the, the ritual but not the relationship. You tell me what's more dangerous. Remember where you came from. Now, you're not that person anymore, but don't ever forget where you were where God found you because that's what propels us to go and to do what God did for us. Jesus gave us the keys to the family business. What's the family business? Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why we suck air. That's why we exist. That's it. Everything we do here at Trinity is oriented around seeking and saving the lost. We're a house that pursues God's presence. We're a house of restoration. Everything we do is built to see people that don't know him come to know him. If you want a window into my, my little pea head, that's it. We'll dump the tank. We'll do anything to see people short of sin. We'll do anything to see people come to Christ. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He gave his very life for us. We do that for others. Bow your heads with me. How are you doing in the love department? Are you loving God well? And equally as important, are you loving your neighbors well? There's no difference. You can't be great at one and stink at the other. How are you doing in the love department? This is what I want you to do. I just want you to take a minute Grace said this earlier. I think it's just a, it's a beautiful posture of surrender. Surrender your heart before God and just ask him. Say, Lord, will you show me if there's pieces and parts of this that I'm not getting, that you want to shift in me, that you want to change in me. Father, you are the master potter. I'm the clay. Shape me and shift the things you need to shift in me. So ask him. Say, how am I doing in the love department? And then, then listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.